I think for me, being content in not having all the answers, I'm still learning, you know, I'm still trying to learn about myself. I'm still trying to be the best mom, best daughter, best friend that I could be. Still working on that. I think I'm still trying to figure that out, honestly, as far as happiness. Like, what what is happiness? Like, do you truly achieve happiness on this on on in this earth? You know, or or do you go through what you go through? You, you try your best to pay it forward, and then you find happiness in the next life. I, I, you know, you look forward to that. I, I really don't know that second part. That was Liza Morales, and this is the Recovery Revolution. It's time for the Recovery Revolution podcast, and it is unlike any recovery podcast you will ever experience. This is next level recovery transformation featuring the most influential minds in addiction, recovery, sobriety, mindset, and entrepreneurship. This podcast will revolutionize the way you look, feel, and talk about recovery. This is The Recovery Revolution. Hey, everybody, and welcome to another episode of The Recovery Revolution. And today we have Liza Morales joining us on the show. And Liza was introduced to me by my good friends and mentors, Ellie Nash and Rosh Lowe, the founders of Mic Drop Studios, where they teach people like me and you how to dynamically tell your story in public. And they are the ones who put me together with Liza. Liza is an incredibly talented woman, mother, real estate agent, and she's also the ex of Lamar Odom and the mother of his two children. And for those of you who don't know who Lamar Odom is, he's an incredibly famous professional basketball player who was a member of the Los Angeles Lakers. He won NBA championships in 2009 and 2010 and was named the NBA Sixth Man of the Year in 2011 and was married to Khloe Kardashian from 2009 to 2016, where he appeared on the reality TV show Keeping Up with the Kardashians. And today, Liza Morales, Lamar's ex, the woman that was with Lamar for over 10 years, that was with him since high school, before he was a famous NBA star. And today, Liza tells her story, what the relationship was like, what she struggled with, how she overcame, and ultimately how she found recovery. Today is all about what she went through. It's an incredibly beautiful interview with Liza. So let's dive into Liza's story, but first, a quick message from our sponsors. We are all addicted to something. Money, success, food, drugs, alcohol, and even our problems. These addictions hold us back and prevent us from living a life of happiness, fulfillment, and joy. My name's Omar Pinto, and I'm a life transformation coach, addiction recovery specialist, and lifestyle entrepreneur. I help people all over the world transform their lives every single day. So if you want to find out what's holding you back from living a life of fulfillment, success, and happiness, go to www.omarpinto.com and schedule a free consultation with me today. It's time to transform your life. 
Today's episode is brought to you by the RRC, the Recovery Revolution Community. The RRC is our private recovery membership group that features online meetings, online support, accountability, peer-to-peer recovery support, and coaching. The Recovery Revolution is more than just a podcast. It is a support network helping thousands of people all over the world. So for more information about the Recovery Revolution podcast or how you can join the RRC, then go to omarpinto.com and get plugged into the Recovery Revolution today. And if you haven't done so already, be sure to leave us a five-star rating and review on iTunes. It's the best way to show your support for the podcast. Hey, Liza, thanks for joining us. Hi, Omar. Thank you so much for having me. I am very excited to have you on the show today. How are you feeling? I'm great. Uh, it's a great day in New York. Our heat wave is over, so I'm looking forward to speaking with you. The heat wave is over. So what does that heat wave look like? Uh, well, here in the concrete jungle, it just looks like a lot of uncomfortable people. Uh, us New Yorkers are used to being on a fast pace, so it's just a lot of uh, uncomfortableness. <laughs> so, But I'm glad it's over. It was only a couple of days. So, uh, how hot um, was it? I think it's 110. Uh, oh. You know, with the building, yeah, with the building, it's just all that gets trapped. And so it's just, it's just hotter. It just feels like it's uh, you know, horrible. Sauna. Yeah, no, it sounds miserable. All right. Okay, good. Well, let's get, let's just dive right in here. Okay, so folks, today we have Liza Morales joining us on the show. And Liza is best known for her relationship with former NBA star. Now, before I say that, what is your relationship with Lamar currently? We're great currently. Uh, we extremely cordial. We've come a long way, Omar. That that definitely, you know, it, it took a lot of years of uh, kind of getting to know each other again. Um, you know, we, we kind of grew in different ways. So, um, but we're good now. We're really good. Okay. All right. So this is kind of like what, from what I pulled from the internet. So you tell me if it's right or wrong. So Liza's best known for her relationship with former NBA star Lamar Odom. Uh, how do I, am I pronouncing that right? Odom? Odom. It gave him a nice fancy twist. I kind of like it. It sounded a little Odom? French. Yeah, oh, it does. It, it, it does sound a little, <laughs> as, as I was Odom. reading it, I go, nobody pronounces it like that. They all say Lamar Odom. All right. Uh, so with whom yeah. she had three children, a New York-based fashion designer is also known to have starred in the American reality television series Starter Wives in 2013. Liza was born to a Puerto Rican father in Queens, New York, May 10th, 1979. Raised in a broken family, she attended Christ the King High School in Queens where she met Lamar in the ninth grade. Sweethearts got engaged in 2000, leading to Liza moving into Odom's apartment. The couple would spend the next 10 years together and welcome three children together. Now, I know that there was a, only two of them. You have the two children now. One of them... Yes, I always say we, still, we have two with us. Two with us. Okay. All right. And I, I want to kind of touch into that too. A look at Odom and Liza's relationship timeline shows their journey together was filled with many ups and downs. 
Although the NBA athlete didn't take her to the altar, they were there for each other for over 10 years, after which Lamar met Khloe Kardashian, whom he dated for four years and eventually got married to. So that's, that's what I've pieced together from the internet. How, is that about, uh, is that a good you know, starter piece? Uh, well, yes. Uh, my birthday's May 9th. And the internet said, oh, the minute they got a May 10th. It's May 9th. Okay. <laughs> the, nine, the nine is a powerhouse. Like that number it nine, is. And he dated Chloe for 30 days, not four years. Yeah, okay. And other than that, I think you pretty much, yeah, you pretty much had everything correct there. Yeah. Both my parents are Puerto Rican, by the way. I think it was just a Puerto Rican father. But yes, both my parents are Puerto Rican. Okay. Both your parents are Puerto Rican. Yes. 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 Okay. Wonderful. Okay, so they knew each other for 30 days, but how long were Chloe and, and Lamar together? Married, maybe four years, maybe five years, four to five years. I think they were married, yeah. Okay, all right, so they were together. All right, so we're going we're gonna to dip and dive in a lot of this, uh, especially yeah. when we get into the question about how has addiction <laughs> played a role in your life. But I want our listeners to get to know Liza. So first, a couple of questions about what your life is like. What is Liza's life like? In other words, what does your normal daily routine look like with you and the kids and your lifestyle? And, you know, what do you got going on? Um, day to day. Well, uh, yes, my, I have my two kids. They're not technically kids, but they'll always be my kids. Uh, our daughter, Destiny, and our son, LJ. Lamar Jr., we call him LJ. So my day to day... Honestly, it revolves around them, their schedule, even though they're older, you know, we still, it pretty much still revolves around them. And I work in real estate. I have my real estate license for a year and a half, almost two years now. And so that gets mixed in also, um, as far as my schedule. And I think right now, my day-to-day definitely involves, I wake up, I say my daily word. Um, I have my book that every day has a day of the week. And that's my prayer time. That's my alone time. And that's how I start my day. If I don't start my day that way, my day feels off. Genuinely feels off. So I have to start my day that way. I also do meditation, not as much as I would like. Uh, You kind of, life pulls you. Um, And so I kind of have to quiet down and find that time, really devote that time. Um, And so... And educating myself, and I know we'll get into that, educating myself different ways, either talking to specialists, therapists, watching documentaries, honestly, about healing and dealing with mental health, um, dealing with an addict in our family. So all of that kind of pretty much, depending on the day, but that's pretty much an average day for myself. Kind of boring, <laughs> but um, it's okay. That's my life. Okay, where do the kids play a role in this? Um. Well, then one's not a kid anymore. <laughs> yeah, they're not. They're not kids, but it, it depends. Um, my son loves playing basketball, and so if that involves you know games, going to a game, supporting him, um, or and my daughter. Um, she really wants to be a model, so it's whatever, setting up appointments for her, going with her to appointments, because I think it's very important that we go with these young women to uh, whatever appointments they have and auditions they have. And so um, so they're not going alone. So pretty much just just being a family, you know, just supporting each other, trying to keep them in the loop of what I'm learning when it comes to... That part of our life, they've had to kind of grow up with that in the last five, six years, maybe a little longer. 
um, so that, you know, whatever we have going on, whether it's your father's new book and having to sit down with them, talk with them about that, talk with them what might come out um, due to the book and what might come out in the press. Um, so pretty much, I mean, just like any other average family, you know, it's, it's pretty much, you know, spending time together as much as we can and watching a good movie together. Um, yeah, it's pretty much our day to day. Beautiful, beautiful. And so a big part of healing, a big part of recovery uh, is spirituality. Okay, for, for many of us, when we come into recovery, that's one of the things that, that really grounds us. What does your spiritual practice look like or what is, how do you maintain your conscious contact with your higher power? Well, I was raised Catholic. Mm-hmm. Um, Went to Catholic school my whole life, uh, from pre-K all the way through high school. Christ the King is like a Catholic high school. Um, I'm no longer a practicing Catholic, but I consider myself more spiritual. I believe in a high power. I know there's a higher power. Um, and that's kind of how we sing our kids, too. Um, we go to church with Lamar's aunt out in Queens. And that's, you know, a Presbyterian church still under that Christian umbrella. Um, just because I want our kids to, to know a relationship with God, you know, whatever, uh, whichever direction they choose to go, just know there's a higher power. And, and I would be probably diagnosed insane if, if I didn't have a higher power uh, that I believed in um, and that I leaned on um, through so much that has happened. So that, and that's why I feel like being able to learn how to meditate and diving into that, because I'm actually able to quiet down, quiet my mind, um, sleep a little better. And so that, to me, opens up my relationship more. I'm able to actually listen. Um, and, and, and it's hard. You know, it's definitely hard to kind of, this world is so distracted by everything. You know, our phone, social media, um, day-to-day family stuff. But um, it's, it's important, for sure. So that's that's my relationship with my spirituality for sure my higher power yeah it's 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 a must and i think yeah. that for for many of us we we hit these moments that in our own humanness we don't know how we're going to make it exactly the emotional distress is so high that you know i can't do this alone and i need something greater than me to help me and there's those moments where you just surrender to it uh, and you know that that higher power is carrying you through that. You just you just know once you surrender to it. I think it's I think it's very important. Um, and, and that's why I asked the question. So thank you. Thank you for answering that. Um, so now let's dive into the meat of the interview here, which is about. Addiction. Now, in some cases, I've left this question open, but this one in particular deals with, you know, addiction as opposed to when it comes to drugs and alcohol um, and a lifestyle because you are the wife, the you know, the, the, the survivor, so to speak, of, you know, this, you know, this horrific um, addiction that, that, that Lamar went through. Um, and I've seen a couple of his interviews after the fact, um, and, and after the, the book that he wrote, um, and he's, he's embraced recovery, uh, today, which is allowing him to have a relationship with, with you and with the, with the children. Um, Absolutely. but that wasn't the case before. 
So tell us, take us into how addiction played a role in your life um, and the consequences that, that, that you had to face because of it. Well, I'll just start, I guess, knowing kind of probably when I was about 13, 14, mm-hmm. um, my mom had to have a conversation with me. She was a teenager growing up in Queens, New York and, you know, having friends going out. So she's always kind of it's always been in the back of my mind that I have a grandfather, um, actually both sides of the family. But on my mother's side was an alcoholic. And so my mother was a nurse. She's retired now. So she would always tell me from a young age to be aware that you know, it's in the family, it's in the genes. She would always say that term, it's in the genes. And so that was always in the back of my mind. Even though I was a teenager, I had a drink or two. Thank God I never um, ended up leaning too much on the alcohol, but um, definitely, you know, nobody's going to be a hypocrite here and say I didn't drink. Right. But that was always in the back of my mind. And then when I got, you know, started dating Lamar and seeing Lamar, um, I knew he smoked pot once in a while. But you know, we have to remember, I was 20 years old. I didn't know, I heard of addiction. I knew drug abuse. I didn't really know the ins and outs, you know. So I definitely didn't know what I know now, right? So I feel like as years passed and we got into our early 20s, there might have been some experimenting once again. I didn't really connect it. And so later, honestly, I really didn't connect the dots. I knew there were issues with leaning on substance. Probably when we were about 24. Um, we were, at this point, we were in L.A. for a few years and not knocking L.A., but any, you know, when you're 19, 20 years old, you move to L.A., you're a clipper, you, you hang out, you go to parties, it's around, right? So I think... I always knew that, didn't know it would develop into a problem. Um, And I would see things here and there, you know, and I would say, okay. uh, So I I I slowly basically started to see an increase in seeing substance. And um, I always knew Lamar liked to sleep a lot. Um, You know, at the time it was just Destiny and I out there. And I always knew he liked to sleep a lot, but I thought he was just tired. Looking back, he was very depressed. You know, Mark had been depressed for many years, many, many years. And um, looking back, I'm like, oh, wow, he was depressed. And so when he was up, when he was going out, those substances were there. And so I definitely think slowly that's how the problem started to happen. So I think, honestly, when we separated around that time, especially when we lost our son, it exploded. I would get calls from friends of his, people that were concerned and they wanted to tell me about it. Um, and so I did reach out to somebody in our circle that I trusted. And I said, I think this is becoming a problem uh, with the heavy substance and the cocaine. And so um, we tried to get him to go into rehab at that point. And so we were already not together. Uh, it was after the death of our son, but we were, I think we were really tr- looking back and we were trying to figure out where we were going to go because we were together for so many years. Um, and like most couples, most relationships, you're trying to figure out, do we make this work? Do we fight? Or what do we do? So we, around that crossroads in our relationship is when this was all happening um, at the same time. So let's dive into what I, what, so this is very important right here because so much of the press is on, again, Lamar. 
Okay, so Lamar's going through his cocaine addiction. Lamar's, he got drafted to the Clippers and drafted to the Lakers. And then like his life and then the Kardashians. So then there's the Lamar story, right? So what's the Liza story when this is happening? Because you guys are together before he becomes a star. You guys are together just as this couple that met in high school, that fell in love, that's that had two kids, you know, before the SIDS incident happened. So before, you know, your baby dies, right? So there is this 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 progression that is happening. And so give us the 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 relationship. What did it look like before he starts hitting the celebrity status? I think Lamar always craved a family. Okay. You know, he's the only child. And, um, you know, his mother died when he was 12 years old. Pivotal point in, in a young boy's life, any child, but we know the mother and son connection. Um, his father, he had an estranged relationship with his father. His father was in and out. And um, he was the only child. There a lot of cousins that, that loved him. And he had his grandmother that loved him, but he was an only child. And um, so I think that background on him is so important because I think it's, it's carried him in his life to wanting to be around a family, to wanting that female energy. Um, and so I think when we had Destiny, we had her so young and um, he was so happy that it was a girl. He swore it was his mother, like reincarnated, you know, he, he, he swore it was his mom. And so he always, it's kind of like he lived two lives, you know, like a Jekyll and Hyde, I feel. <laughs> he loved to be home with us and watch movies and watch Dora the Explorer. My daughter loved Dora and at this in Rugrats. And then at the same time, he liked to hang out with his teammates and go party in the nightclub. So it was at both sides. He enjoyed coming home to a family and you know he had me, you know, he had daughter. So that that to me was like it truly carried on even to now. I feel he's still craving that family that to fill that void, you know, of his mom, honestly. Well, and two, you also come from a broken home. Yes. I, but my situation was a, a bit different. Um, I, my parents, yes, they had a very bad divorce. It dragged on for years. Um, and to this day, they don't get along to this day. Um, don't talk positively about each other. And so, uh, yeah, I was very close to my father even after the divorce, but, um, things changed. Honestly, my father wasn't too happy that I was seeing Lamar happens in Latino families. Sometimes. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Um, I understand. I think he definitely wanted a Latino route. Yep. Or the Caucasian route, just to be totally honest. And so we that is, that kind of changed our relationship as I was getting older. I was kind of resentful for that, you know, which is understandable. And so I, I didn't understand why it mattered. Um, and so our relationship started to change. But yes, that seeing them fight in the home, seeing them even during the divorce, you know, they would kind of tell me things and I'd be in the middle and I hated that, um, which I think is why I grew up not wanting that for our kids. I wanted them, I stayed too long in our relationship because I wanted them to have two family home, two parent home, I'm sorry. And um, and I think it still carries on with me to this day. This is why I'm, I try my best to be cordial with Lamar. 
because of that. And he, you know, we both came from these broken, unhealthy, uh, you know, parenting situation, uh, you know, trying to be cordial with, with your, your ex. So at the time when your parents got divorced, were you already out of the house? No, I was 13. I think I was in seventh or eighth grade. So it was also a pivotal point in my life, like right before I became a teenager. And um, but it, their their divorce dragged on for years through high school. Um, Who'd you live so with? I, was, I lived with my mom. Okay. And my okay. Father out. Yeah, my father moved out, and he um, got his own place. And yeah. yeah, so I stayed with my mom. Okay, so then you're living with mom. You're dating Lamar, and then you move in with Lamar. How old were you when you moved in? Well. I got pregnant with our daughter at 18 um, and had her at 19. Um, at the time, he was at Rhode Island and ended up staying at Rhode Island for one year. Then he went into the draft, got drafted by the Clippers. So our daughter, by the time he got drafted by the Clippers, our daughter was one years old. Um, and so he was like, I need you guys there with me. Uh, I need you to come. So I was scared to death. You know, I never, at this point, never really left New York other than go to like Orlando to like Disney World and Virginia you know not never went to the west coast so um I took the risk because I wanted that family and so I went scared to death 19 years old moving to LA it sounds so exciting though I mean like all the fear, all the adrenaline, all the anticipation. I'm just a kid raising a baby, right? In this relationship, there's all this stuff is happening and changing. Boom, I get to LA. And what was that like? It was insane. Neither one of us had our driver's license. So we would take cabs everywhere. And you know, LA is so spread out. Dude. So you're taking a cab, oh. taking you forever. You're having to go on the high with a freeway. They pull it up there. And so, um, yeah, it was definitely insane. And and here we are, this young couple living in Marina Del Rey in like a penthouse with like the youngest couple yes. there, you know, with a baby. Yes. And so um, it, it was it was it was surreal, but we had each other. I had no friends out there, whereas he created friends through his teammates. Um, but having no friends out there was very difficult very difficult. I had like no support. You know, it was just my daughter. And so he Lamar realized that. So he would fly once a month, I would have a guest, you know, my cousin, my girlfriends would come out and Lamar would fly them out because he knew I was totally right. So I, I did appreciate that. I couldn't wait for, you know, somebody to come out to visit my brother or somebody. My mother never flew out because my mother's an extreme phobia of flying. So she never flew out. Later on, she did after medication. But uh, early on, she, she couldn't fly out. But it was, um, it was, a, it was a trying, it was, yes, it was exciting, you know, and I think it was exciting for our family and our friends too. Um, but it was, it was definitely, because remember, as the NBA, you're traveling a lot. So during the season, that's mostly when my friends and family would come when he was gone for a week or, um, but it was, it was tough being with Destiny alone and she was what years old. And so it was, I would a lot of times be in our apartment alone, you know, watching movies and, and trying being on the phone my, my cell phone bill it's like insane hot phone bill um but it was the positive is that we got to kind of experience that together eventually i did get my license and eventually he did too and so you know we slowly started to build a life out there so um so that was great, that was great. and and you had a good from the time you moved to la okay mm-hmm. 
until until he you know got involved with with Chloe. How long were you guys together in L.A.? Um, a couple of years, and then what ended up happening was when I had our son, when we had L.J. Um, he proposed right before I got pregnant with our son. It was like Christmas Eve or something, and then I got pregnant with our son, and then it was like we became a little bit bi-coastal, me and the kids, because I had young kids. I wanted to go back and forth to New York. And so we got a place in New York. And whenever Lamar was gone, instead of me having people come to us, I would come to New York. And I'd say, oh, he's on the road. Let me go back home and see our family. And they could see the kids. Um, so that's kind of what we did early on, was like be bi-coastal, go back and forth. Um, then he got traded. No, I'm sorry. He got... Um, he ended up leaving the Clippers and went to the Miami Heat. Um, and again, our kids were still super young. And I, I was kind of like, oh, here we go again, you know, another big city um, that has a reputation of partying. You know, let's be real here. You know, it's Miami. And so that was a little bit of a tricky, um, tricky point in our, in our relationship too. We were young and we played in the NBA and, um, and so, yeah, he, and he mentions it in his book that Miami was definitely, um, a place he had fun. <laughs> we'll say that. <laughs> yeah. I, South I, I Beach. Now, but yeah. We're laughing about it now, but he definitely had his fun in Miami. And so, um, yeah. Okay. So, so now, so this, this is where we want to know what, what was going on with Liza. Cause here's the thing. I get it. Here is this rising star. Okay, making a ton of money, doing fantastic in his passion, in his profession. Like there's yeah. all these things that are happening. He's able to provide for his family on a very high level. We're bi-coastal. We got a place in California. We got a place in New York. Now we got a place in Miami. You know, we're just all over the place, right? Money obviously is not a factor in this point, right? More than anything, it actually plays a role in the fact that, you know, I can lead a double life. Mm -hmm. I can have my family and I can have this other amazing life that's like incredible and I've got adoring fans and probably women throwing themselves at me and it's just like so what's going on with liza because all this he's changing boom 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 and i'm raising kids i'm raising kids and i think at this point i went back to school i went back to college which i did that i started doing that in la um i did that in la i uh rolled back in school took a couple of courses that's that's kind of what i was doing taking courses and then raising our kids, you know, being, you know, we, we had help, quote unquote, um, never like a live-in nanny or anything like that, no judgment to other families. But I always wanted to be hands-on with, with our babies. And so, you know, if I, if I had help because we're going on a date, you know, date night or something like that. Um, but I was super involved in, in, you know, wanting to be there with our kids and, you know, having them whatever activities they were in. So that's kind of what I was doing. I, I was... I was like the structure of the home, you know, like that was, you know, that was his, you know, he knew, okay, whatever I do, I play my games, I go home, I have Liza, I have my kids. Um, And it was like a balance. Well, of course. Okay. So now it seems as though you dive into the role of wife and mother and homemaker, just like, 
You just dive right in. Yes. I had no choice in a way. You know, I, I wanted, I mean, I didn't have a choice, but I, I was happy. I loved him. And, you know, we had this family and beautiful kids. And yeah, it was, you know, okay. it just seemed great. So this is for... This is for the mothers that are listening. This is for the wives that are listening right now. Okay, because this is a whole different landscape. We're actually, I'm on, I'm on an interview with, you know, the, I, you could say, uh, for all intents and purposes, you know, the wife, okay, of Lamar, right? A famous NBA basketball star and I'm at home taking care of the kids, taking care of the home, making sure that he's got everything ready for him for when he gets home. What's yeah. going on in your head? Because it can't. I can't just be like everything's perfect, everything's fine, no big deal. It's all good. This is just normal. Right. No. I think. I mean. I think the public society knows pretty much that. You know, professional athletes, people in the public eye, entertainers, they do have constant. Um, so that was at this point in L- back in LA it started that became a problem um, and so that was always in the back of my mind um, but I fought for our family because I wanted it to work um, but the women that definitely was there you know um, that was definitely very present and so I think for me it was okay how long am I going to put up with it maybe he'll get tired of it um, you know, but in the end, I knew we were his family. You know what I mean? So, like, that, I think, was the other part of me saying, like, well, you know, this is the lifestyle. You know, you, you have that, and then you hear from different, you know, different teammates' girlfriends or teammates' wives, and they're telling you stories, and you're sharing stories, and they're kind of saying, well, you're the family, and, you know, they'll get tired eventually, and, you know, you're home, you know, you're the home, and so you're kind of being pulled. I am, you know, a girl from Queens, New York. That's like, do I put up with this? Do I? I've been putting up with it for a few years. Do I leave and have somebody else come in and, and, and take what I, you know, what I'm trying to build here and, and to maintain, I should say, here? And so that's that's kind of what was going on with Liza. You know, Liza in her early twenties. That's kind of what I was dealing with. Well, what's amazing is how I mean, even as you describe it, how grounded. You were. Were you really that grounded? Because you f- you sound like you had a lot of acceptance. You know, things were happening, and you were kind of like. I mean, I'm don't about- get me wrong. There's a lot of um, you know clothes tossed out, things <laughs> thrown out of windows, like that scene in Goodfellas. Uh, what was that? Wait, wait, no, 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 wait, wait, wait. What got thrown out of windows? Keys. You know, you're not going out tonight. Kind of like uh, in, in Goodfellas, Ray Liotta went. Um, when his wife and they're arguing, she tosses his keys out the window, and Karen, Karen did that to him. So that no, we definitely had it. We're not going to get that. <laughs> Nothing, you know. I definitely wasn't like, oh well, you know. No, the, you know, I definitely was like, I was fighting, you know, for our relationship for sure, and for our family. So we definitely had those moments too. I'm not gonna sugarcoat, you know, G-rate, make this a G-rated thing, because trust me, it was <laughs> moments. You know, I'm Latina, I have my moments. Yes. <laughs> which is a little fiery, you know. Um, and so, yeah, we definitely had those moments, for sure. Um, but, again, it, it goes back to just wanting my family to work, and knowing now, yes, I was fighting, because I came from a broken home, and I wanted our kids to have both an 
and then also one thing I remember I used to tell Lamar all the time. I used to love to write. I still do. Um, and so I, I used to write him letters. Like, you know, I also want to break the stigma. I used to like tell him that, like, you know, you know, us being minorities, like I want this relationship to work. You know, we were living in affluent neighborhoods and I, that Lamar's, you know, career afforded us. And so I wanted us to have a united family and I didn't want to be the broken minority couple, you know, in these affluent neighborhoods that, you know, yes, some, some people, we'd had little sprinkles of minority families, but majority was Caucasian. And I, I kind of wanted to break that stigma. So that also played a part. It did. And, and I used to tell Lamar that, like, I, you know, I want this to work for them and for the kids. And so that's, that kind of all goes back to that. No. Why and that absolutely. Uh, so, and, and the, so there's this, this moment where, you know, ups and downs, obviously ups and downs. There's those moments where it's like, I'm here for a reason, you know, and, and one of the reasons is I want this family. I love Lamar. I love our children, right? I want us to break this stigma. I want us to be a united front. I want us to show that, you know, minorities can, 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 can overcome and, and live, you know, these affluent lives for a hundred years. Right. Yeah. Right. We all want that. Yeah. And then there's the other side that's going, Oh my God, how much of this can I put up with? Right, like he's gone all the time. I'm hearing all these stories. I know what's going on. I'm, I'm like, uh, I'm, again, I'm putting my blinders on, you know, just because for the greater good. Rose-colored, the rose-colored glasses, right? Uh huh. Yeah. Uh-huh. Yeah, you know, my early twenties, you know. Right. Looking back, what are you doing, girl? I just want to like shake her, but everything happens for a reason. I was supposed to go through that, you know, because it, it kind of now I would never put myself into a situation like that. So I had to go through that. I want to get back to that too. What are you doing, girl? Okay, because I like because that's where I was headed. But at the same time, too, there is this pivotal moment where you know the, your third child dies of SIDS. What does that do to you? What does that do to Lamar? What does that do to your relationship? Ooh, that's deep. Um, what it does to me, I think. Well. Jaden came he, after Miami. He ended up getting traded for Shaq. I mean, who not to get? You're going to get traded. It would be great. What a compliment, right? To be in the same trade uh, deal with Shaq. So he got traded for Shaq. Shaq came to Miami. So Lamar went to the Lakers. And um, so we went back to LA. Um, and so I uh, got pregnant with Jaden. Something's in the water in LA. When I go to LA, it's, I get pregnant very easily out there. So I got pregnant in LA again. <laughs> yeah. Our, our first son in LA too, and so um, went back to LA. And then at this point, he was really riding high in, in the NBA. For now, we're going what four or five years now. So he's really has you know his stride you know, as far as the the lifestyle, um, his friends from Queens. You know. I think people have to understand to a lifestyle. Like when you come out of certain neighborhoods, you always want to take care of your family. You always want to take care of your friends. And I know certain other groups, like they're just like, you know what? I made it. I'll help you once in a while, but this is what I have to focus on. But a lot of times, you know, 
people who make it, whether they're rappers or athletes, they feel like I got to help my people. You know, I can't leave my people there. So he had a lot of his friends fly out to L.A., live there, set up, you know, set up shop out in L.A., have places, have apartments. So at this point, he's creating his entourage. It's an entourage. Yes. He's creating his entourage at this point. And it's his entourage from years back. So it's not like it's new people. So that affected our that was starting to affect our relationship because now you're dividing your time between your career and you're dividing your time with your friends now and so our family was getting less and less of the pie and of his quality time so that was where my mind was at at that point that our relationship was really i wasn't happy with that for sure and so i would voice that i would say we weren't getting enough time and then I wasn't getting my alone time. So it was one thing to have your family time to the San Diego Zoo or something like that, but it's another time to have my time. So all that was just getting divided even less. So that's where I was back then. And then um, got pregnant with Jaden. That kind of, you know, I was super excited. You know, he was his due date was a Christmas, a Christmas baby. And that was so exciting for me because our, our first two were summer babies. July and August. So this was like, oh my God. And then when the, the, when the doctor did the, you know, what they do with the, with the, the calendar, he was like, wow, December 25th. So such a blessing. Jaden was such a blessing, still is such a blessing. Um, and so, yeah, that had him out there in LA. Also, the thing that's different now was that because of the holiday and because of the Lakers, the Lakers always played on Christmas. Um, and so I didn't know if he was going to be, he was away. He was away during that break. They always travel. And so um, that was tough. That was tough. Family, once again, he flew a family member out to be with me because this was different now. Now we have three. Now I did hire somebody to come in. We had three young ones and it was a lot um, to handle. And so that's kind of where we were at that point. But at the same time, as I had mentioned, we were kind of having our little bit of a strife. Oh, yeah. He had friends. Yeah. And that, and I'm not talking one or two. I'm talking about three or four friends. So it was a lot um, that came out to LA. Okay. So now, keep going, because what did it do? <laughs> <laughs> what did it do to you? What did it do to um, Lamar? What did it do to the marriage, the relationship? So that's kind of what I was doing that's kind of what I was dealing with. It was a lot. And I had three young babies, young kids, you know, Destiny might have been uh, five or I think she was like six, LJ's three. And then, you know, we have a newborn baby. So it was a lot, total lack of sleep. And um, I was definitely stressed. And then I think at this point, I was coming to a point where I was kind of giving ultimatums at this point. Mm, now we had our yes. child and mm-hmm. we had our engagement and his family was also putting pressure on him because we did have our engagement. But Lamar at that point, and now we're going back to like 2005, 2006, he at that point changed his whole marriage view. And it was, oh, we have to wait till I retire. Because mm. marriages in the NBA don't work. And I remember he gave me the example of Dwayne um, Wade at the time, who had his, he was at the time, he was married to his uh, high school sweetheart married to her, they were going through a divorce. At the time, Shaq and Shawnee O'Neal were going through a, a pretty big divorce. So he used those two as examples uh, to kind of pacify me, you know, and say, oh, they don't work. And I, I remember thinking, even then, I'm not waiting to retire. Like, that's a really long, like, that's, like, are you kidding? And so that's kind of where we were, honestly. And then he had his family. You know, we had a, has a lot of women in his family. 
and um, aunts and cousins. And so they were like, when are you going to marry Liza? You know, so he definitely was getting it from all sides. Um, and so, yeah, so that's kind of where we were, honestly, in our relationship. And I think um, now he's a Laker, he's playing with the legend Kobe. And so he definitely was starting to climb to a whole nother level now, you know, with the Lakers the organization and what they are in LA. You know, the Clippers, now the Clippers are home to what we were talking about when the Clippers were Sterling, and Sterling was the owner when Lamar was there, and that was a different. They were kind of looked at as a college team, you know, back then. Um, now it's a different, different category with the Clippers. But um, so now he's a Laker, and so now it's a whole nother level of stardom and ego and pressure, you know. So all of that, I think, helped create um, this wanting to fill voids now, like it really try to fill voids. And so that was also um, noticeably changing too. And then you have your friends there and then you have all of this stuff happening at the same time. So um, with me, it was just, I felt like, what do I want to do here? And now I have three young babies. I cannot wait for him to retire to marry me. And so that's kind of where we were in our relationship. And then we flew to New York that summer because one of Lamar's aunts passed suddenly. Um, and so it was an emergency. It was in the summer. She had no, no more basketball. We flew to New York. And we were in New York um, for that, for her funeral, for her week. And uh, we, we brought uh, our nanny at the time, Zonia, who is a woman. And we brought her with us to come to New York. It was supposed to be just like a week, two-week trip. And so um, we brought her with us. And then... We were only home for maybe a week, and that's when, um, you know, the incident with Jaden happened in our home, and um, and so, um, yeah. So that's kind of that's the kind of the time frame, and then losing him was a shock to my spirit. Um, you know, Lamar had lost; he had experienced loss. Uh, losing his mother and having her ripped away from him. I never had that. I was almost my grandmother. I was very close. My grandmother was older. She lived her life. She had you know, dementia. And so she was losing that. So it's, it's kind of, it's different. Yeah. Um, regardless of how close versus a, a child or baby. So I think when that happened, it was such a pivotal point in my life because I didn't know what I wanted to do with our relationship. And um, I'd never experienced loss. And everybody mourns differently. And a lot of couples, when we lose a child, it can either strengthen you or it really pulls you apart. And I think when it came to Lamar and I, it we mourned so differently, we grieved so differently that we did end up pulling apart. Not intentional, but we did end up going our different ways. I mean, on my spirituality, um, I kind of tapped back into my Catholic roots and you know, read my Bible Psalms and leaned on that immensely. And like, I really didn't lean so much on the outside. I really didn't talk to my friends. I didn't talk to my family because they didn't understand what I was going through. They never lost a child. So I felt very alone. And so I leaned on my spirituality. Lamar leaned on drugs. Lamar leaned on distractions, anything that's going to distract. Um, and so that, uh, it wasn't necessarily new territory for him, but it became, it expanded that 
territory for sure. I, I definitely noticed changes after that. And um, I think that's kind of where we were. And then when, by the time the summer was over, I was still grieving immensely. You know, at this point, I'm full on depressed, but nobody in my family ever really talked about mental health. Still, they still don't. And so didn't, I didn't really recognize the signs. I was just in my new, uh, surreal world. Uh, just day to day waking up, doing what I, you know, giving my kids breakfast and just getting through our days. And, uh, and um, Lamar had, he went back to LA because at this point, the end of August, September, they want you to come back to kind of get ready for the season, for the preseason. So he wanted us to go back with him. And I was like, I don't think I'm ready for that yet. And so this is where I think the changes in me happen. This is why I know Jay was such a blessing. Because I think he was here for such a short amount of time, but my appreciation for him, and I really thought he was gonna be my third and last child. I talked to my doctor about that, tying my twos. My doctor said, no, you're still young. What a blessing that was that I didn't, I didn't do it and I listened to him. Um, and yeah, it, 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 I said, I think I need my family. I need their support. I need to be in New York. LA is so far. And so he went by himself. And I think, I think he probably felt a certain way that I didn't go back with him. Remember, I, I, we provided that balance for him. And so I do think it, it kind of got him out of the back when he wasn't there with the kids, coming home to them, running around. Or So I think that also impacted him. But um, so we moved. Uh, we ended up selling our home. I didn't. I could not stay in that home. Um, for sure, home. for sure. Selling it, and um, we ended up moving um, into an apartment in the city. And um, I found amazing school districts for our kids. And, and, and our kids have always attended public school. You know, that's another subject because I would love to get into the the the. Uh, discrepancies in the public school system in the United States, but we'll get another. Thing. We do not have time for that because it's vast. It's vast. <laughs> but yeah, I, I think um, yeah. So they've always, because of the neighborhoods that we've lived in, they've always been blessed to go to amazing public schools, and so we found great school districts, and we just stayed. And, and our relationship, as you could imagine, him being on the west, being on the east, it just totally uh, broke. And slowly did, but it needed to. It needed to because I needed to kind of rebuild myself and find myself. And eventually, I ended up going to therapy because a, a friend, actually a friend of Lamar's um, agent, uh, sports agent, actually said, "You know, I think you're depressed." And um, she was so right. And she actually shared with me that her therapist—I didn't even know she was in therapy—and she seemed like she had it all together, right? That we put on this face, and she's a professional. She's super smart, and. Um, super successful and here she's telling me she's a therapist and she's amazing and here why don't you give her a call and I did and um so I'm grateful for that because she kind of put her wall down and shared that she sees a therapist and that's when I was diagnosed with depression and uh severe depression and you know so that's kind of how my path to where I am today began yeah so so tell me a little bit about because this makes this now as we get to this point a lot of sense is made. Like like the humanness. Because if we take away the judgment from right. the... If we take away judgment, we take away guilt, we take away shame, yeah. 
then we and we just dive into the humanness. We recognize that a traumatic, a very, very, very traumatic event happened for both of you. And you both just dealt with it in very different ways. And he has access to deal with it in a very different way. He's separated from his family. He's and and right now he's just lost and confused and like you got you're in New York, he's in LA and yes. you're grieving and healing in a different way. So you move in this in this path and and, and as you move into therapy, he moves heavy into into self-soothing through drugs. Yes. And women. And women. Yes. And women. Yes, of course. Cause that it goes hand in hand. Fame, success, money, drugs, women, rinse, repeat. It's part of, you know, what what the you know, I mean you'd be surprised if he dealt with it any other way. Uh, you know, based on the situation. So now yes. this is this is a great segue, um, which is Tell us about your journey now, because from here, it's like, okay, now I've got to take care of the kids. Lamar's doing his thing. I'm no good to anybody unless I'm well. Yes. And so now you go, you, so tell us about now the journey of mental health and therapy and and what that looks like. Yeah. So, well, really quickly, what ended up happening in 2008, now that's all happened in 2006, and 2007. By 2008, he says, please come back to LA. Okay. And I, I need my family. At this point, I'm hearing tons of rumors from his fans and yeah, he's not doing so well. And so I say, okay, we're not going to get back together or anything, but um, we, we could go out to LA so you could build your relationship with your kids. And you could work on that because we were so far away. So we did move to LA for one year, um, 2008. Uh, to the summer of 2009. The summer of 2008 to the summer of 2009, we lived out there. We lived 25 minutes away from him. We weren't even in the same town um, to work on that. And it didn't really improve. And so our year living in Santa Monica was tough. Uh, It was tough on our kids because at this point they had lived in New York for a year and a half. They created friends. So when we moved to LA for the one year, it was like, wow, we're getting uprooted to go. But the positive side was we'd be closer to dad. Uh, But it didn't go so well. And so we stayed in LA for that year. We ended up leaving, like as soon as their kids last day of school, we had a flight like for that night <laughs> to go back home to New York. And we couldn't wait. And then he actually met Chloe that summer. We left in June, he met Chloe, I think like in July or something like that. So he actually met Chloe that summer. And um, all that happened exposed us, like thrusted us into this public spotlight, which we're not used to it. We didn't voluntarily ask for. So that was extremely tough on our family, which again ties into the therapy and needing to get somebody neutral to help us with the situation. And so I did get my kids in therapy um, and myself because I felt like we, we needed to figure out how to, you know, deal with all of this, this paparazzi and tabloids that we never experienced obviously before. Um, and so we did that and for, we try, and Lamar and I, at this point, we're not cordial. You know, we're not. We're, we're bumping heads a lot. Um, we're trying to figure out how we're going to co-parent, all of that. And so, and then also dealing with it being so public. That was difficult. Um, I think if I fast forward, and, and there were times where him and I can, we could be cordial. There were times Chloe and I were cordial. Um, you know, she was in my kid's life. She was their stepmom. So I, I 
we, Chloe and I, we did try. We, there were moments we were very cordial. We would communicate. Uh, she would call me if the kids were visiting them in LA and she would ask me something, you know, so there, we definitely had our cordialness there. But like any relationships that you have with people, that's up and down. Now, I think once, I think so that the kids and I basically lived our lives separate, tried our best to live in a bubble, tried that really wasn't possible when they would come visit their father. So when they would come home, it was, I kind of had to be the balance once again and try to show them what real life is and, um, and you know, in our families, and we all kind of tried to had to balance that because it was a lot for them. They were so young. And at this time, social media is exploding, you know, Facebook and Twitter. Um, you know, we're going back to like 2009, 2010. And so definitely um, that also added to social media. Our daughter was like 13, 14, pivotal point in her life, the pressures of social media. So I had to deal with that also um, of trying to, you know, show our daughter at such a pivotal her worth, you know, and um, the pressures of looking a certain way and on social media. And so we definitely dealt with that also. And um, that also came out publicly. That's what I'm saying it now. Um, and so I think when she was 14, 15, she, Destiny was diagnosed with depression um, because I think she didn't know how to deal. Who would know how to deal? Adults don't know how to deal with that stuff. So she was getting all this attention and followers and, and you know, on social media followers and, and paparazzi and, you know, can't even go to the airport, you know, do the normal things with their children getting somebody following you now so it was a different life I think so what I tried to do is just create that balance let them finish out their adolescent age and um then Lamar started having problems in his marriage that was all very public um and then I think slowly but surely things started coming out in the press about his addiction and that was something we also had to talk about with the therapist the doctor and just try to figure out how do we make this how do we make this work now now this is in the press and the doctor gave me great advice. She's amazing. We still have her to this day. And she said, you have to be honest with your kids about addiction, that it's in the family. I know you think they're too young, but they're not. You know, our daughter was like 14 or son was like 11. She was like, they're not too young. And I remembered my mom's advice when I was around Destiny's age about alcohol and I didn't have a father in the public eye. And, um, and so I, or a grandfather, I'm sorry, in the public eye. So yeah, definitely we've had to have those conversations. And that's kind of how I was able to educate myself through the doctor's help, through reading, through documentaries, because I figured I have to help them. And at the same time, I'll be managing, I'll be helping myself, but I have to figure out how to manage this, dealing with an addiction and a problem. Because at this point, it was spiraling to areas that I never knew about. And so, um, you know, and, and that's just what you read, you know, in the press. But I was also hearing things behind the scenes, too, that were very concerning. So, um I think when everything happened in Vegas, when Lamar O'Dean in Vegas, um, that was just, that wasn't necessarily surprising to me, you know, and to our family, uh, because we knew he was on this path. Um, so unfortunately, like many families know, sometimes you do get the phone call. Unfortunately for us, we got the TMZ headline. You know, we didn't get the phone call. I got a phone call. I got a text message to say from a very good friend of mine, um, her son and our best friends and she asked me Lamar I'm so sorry about Lamar I had no idea what she was talking about 
And then she, I said, what are you talking about? And she sent me the TMZ link. So that's how we found out. So we didn't get the call. We got the, the same TMZ link that the whole world got, which was difficult and to say the least. And um, yeah, dealing, having to deal with, having to deal with that so public was shameful. I, mm, I felt shameful yeah, because yeah. the whole mm-hmm. world now knows what we've been dealing with as a family and um, my own mother, you know, I, I hated that, that my own mother, you know, people look at you differently. Yeah. You know, and unfortunately, that's part of the stigma. And um, yeah, so going through that and not knowing if I was going to live or die and he pulled through and he ended up living and, you know, fast forwarding now a few years and just continuing to educate ourselves, educate myself and my daughter now at an age where she can also educate herself and um, my son, our son too. Um, but I think that's where we are. And as far as, you know, then Lamar decided to do his book, which is very transparent and he's being very open and, um, sharing things. I, I'm surprised he shared, but I'm glad he shared. My kids didn't read it, um, which I'm kind of glad they didn't. That's their father. I don't want them to look at him differently. You know, maybe when they're older, they'll read it. Um, they saw enough in the press and the headlines. So they, they kind of know a little bit what's in the book. Um, I read it to prepare myself and some things in there I had no idea. So it was like, Oh, okay. Um, wow. That makes sense. The Miami stuff. I didn't know, you know, you knew, you know, but you don't know. Right. So that, yeah. That was like, wow. Um, and so, yeah, I, I think, I think that's what we have to do. You know, as family members, you have to educate yourself. As best as you can, you know. I'm no expert, I'm no life coach, but I had to educate myself and talk to the experts, you know, talk to the drug counselors um, at the rehabs and um, read books by doctors and um, documentaries. I saw the documentary by DJ AM. Uh, Do you remember DJ AM? I think he died from a heroin overdose a few years back. Uh, But I watched his documentary, which was so um, eye opening to me because he was just giving his whole backstory and then it was really eye-opening to me. So just watching documentaries like that, I feel like it helps me to kind of be able to help our kids and anybody. So, so you did a lot. Cause so this is what, this is what's super important. Okay. When you look back at going and, talking to the drug counselors and getting your own therapy and doing the research and watching the documentary and reading the books and educating yourself. Is there one thing that you could say, these, these things, these three things, you know, I would, were the most important elements of my healing or helping me? Um, I think what's helped me with, with all of what you just mentioned was knowing I'm not alone. A mm-hmm. lot of people deal with this, but we don't talk about mm-hmm. it. My family don't talk about it. You know, I think now the positive side of social media and the mm-hmm. positive side of podcasts like yours mm-hmm. is, and documentaries, you know, now with Netflix and all that stuff, I know that they get a lot of backlash sometimes. They feel people aren't going to the movies anymore. But they're able to put these platforms out where you could see stories from all over the world mm-hmm. in your home. And and share and you create this community. And so I feel like without that, I wouldn't be able to, you know, I, I wouldn't be able to really deal. So I think all of that has truly helped me because I feel like um, just knowledge, you know, just trying to educate yourself as much as you can, you know, you don't have to get a 
HD, you know, or become an MD unless, unless you want to. Um, I don't want to, but I do want to be able to share my story with people and, and, and you know, um, and, and, and talk to them and let them know they're not alone. And this is why I think partnering up Mike Drop, you know, and Rosh and, and Ellie, I feel like is so important for our family right now because I feel like we're able to get out there, talk to people, talk to the people that want to want to hear us, you know, and, and maybe they want to feel like they can relate. They feel like they're not alone, just like how I felt. And it's different when you're interconnecting with people, when you're actually with the people. Um, you could see them and they could see you versus um, technology. Like I said, technology has its positives, of course. For sure. I, I think... Yeah, but I think the connection with people and actually being in a room with people and then being able to talk to them afterwards, I think that's going to be amazing for us. Another part of our healing, another part of our journey for healing. So how important was the therapy aspect? Oh, it's, it's pivotal. Okay. Because I, I think with our therapist, she, she's very um, blunt and to the point. And so there's no sugarcoating with us, which I, I actually love. Yeah, I actually love. So she'll tell me things about myself that I maybe didn't think about. Um, and, I'm, and, you know, she'll say, I know I'm kind of harsh. I say, no, no, no. I, you do need that constructive criticism yeah. now. You know, I'm not saying I want you to hurt my feelings, but I do think it, it's pivotal. So therapy, without a doubt. So the therapy piece, because that's the first thing you dove into, was the yes. therapy piece, getting your kids into therapy. And then yes. the next piece was being vocal, connecting, sharing openly, and, other, and, and as a way of relieving yourself of... I think that came... I think that's like the third. I think the second step... The therapy was definitely for a second was people talking to, talking to experts. Okay, so, you know, okay. Doctors and, um, you know, watching documentaries on... on you know, like National Geographic or something, like if they had something on addiction. Uh, or even that one show I would watch sometimes, it was kind of a dark show, I think it was on A&E, uh, but it would follow addicts and their families and, 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 and kind of watch them get bombarded by, um, by a, um, um, you know, when you, when you come, when you, when you approach the person to tell them to go to therapy. What, intervention? Uh, intervention. Oh God! Yeah, I that's... Would watch that. I know it's so dark, but I, so I, dark. I, yeah, it's so dark. <laughs> but I would watch that sometimes just because I'm like, wow. And then sometimes, honestly, you see these stories and you say, you know what? My shit isn't that bad. Like mm-hmm. you hear other stories and you, you really do I say, wow. It. So there's two points. You could say my shit isn't that bad, or you could say I'm not alone. Mm-hmm. Other families feel this too. So this, so that's the positive, I guess, in the show like intervention. But yes, I think talking to the experts was the second step. And now I think we're ready for that third step. Okay, so great. Perfect, perfect. So I know that I know the Lamar is working with with Rosh right now as far as doing his mic drop. Are you gonna yes. be also is is he gonna be is Rosh gonna be coaching you as well to have your mic drop moment? Yes, yes. Rosh is good. We're actually gonna go see Rosh this week. Wonderful. Uh, tomorrow, actually. Um, we're gonna go see Rosh. Our daughter's also gonna do the training to talk to her generation. I love it. Uh, um, yeah, I, I love it. Like they're totally growing up, not like how we grew up. So it's a whole other level of it, um, and just connect and all that stuff. You know, with the technology. So I feel like all three of us are gonna do it as a family, and we'll do it separately. But I feel like it's. I think it helps humanize Lamar a little bit because I think people know him as like an athlete and like they see the TMZ headlines. But I think 
doing it with me and, 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 and our daughter, Destiny, I do feel like it humanizes him. It shows the family um, aspect of it. I love it. Rosh, Rosh Lowe is amazing. Uh, yeah. His, his coaching changed my life. You know, I am, wow. I am a coach. Right. That's what I do for a living. I'm a life coach. I'm an addiction recovery specialist. I've been doing the podcast for four years and and I couldn't public speak. Wow. And he changed my life. So, I mean, I and and it's this there's a healing happens when you do this. You'll 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 recognize this. That's honestly what I'm really looking forward to. I really am looking forward to that, like healing and then being able to share that. Yeah. That's it's just it's come it's gonna come full circle. I, I know it is, so I'm looking forward to it. Well, you're doing it now, and Lamar did it with the book. So right. I saw his interview on ET, right? Mm-hmm. On and um, you know he goes very in depth. He talks about the book. He talks very candidly about the things that happened in his life. And I just got this feeling of someone who had surrendered, someone who who recognized that he just completely train wrecked his life, completely train wrecked his family's life, completely got to a place in his life where it was like, this is it. I love, I love the, the piece with destiny. I love how that's the pivotal moment for him. Yes. You know, because that was my pivotal moment for me. My daughter was born and I'm going to start crying. You know, my daughter. No, I, I told you when I read that. That's when I knew I had it to the pocket. I was like, "Oh, that's what kind of drove me in." You know, yeah. That's the glue. You know, I mean, I was ready to. I was ready to check out. I was ready. Like, what's the point, right? And she's born, and there it is, right? Like, I have everything that I need to. I have everything that I need in my life right now to fight for. And so, when I was watching that part of his interview, and I'm like, I get it, man. I get it, you know, like, that's it. You know, there's nothing really, like, I was married, I've got my family, I've got, all, you know, I've got all kinds of things that I could be holding on to, and I wasn't holding on to anything. But something about that, your daughter, and I love what he talks about, he was so, he was hoping it was going to be a girl, and I remember yeah. when she was born, I was like, this is the, this is the best thing ever. Yes. You know, and I and I think that for many of us that are battling with addiction and we 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 don't have that really that key element which is our children because it transcends all love. It transcends it it's the purest form of unconditional love that you can ever feel or experience or express. And yes. it really lights a fire. It really lights a fire. So when I was watching him on the interview and I was listening to him share his story and I was listening to him, I was like, you know. Sorry. No, no, no. We're, we're, we're good. Um, and I'm watching. I said, I said, you know, he's, he's turned the corner. Like he's, he's turned the corner. He's ready. He's ready to take his message and help people change their lives. Yes. I mean, it's, it's, I mean, as you know, you know, it's, 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 it's a day to day thing. Oh yeah. And I, 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 I talk to our kids about that is day to day, you know, anybody that deals with addiction, they know that even if you're clean for 20 years, you know, it, it's, it's day to day, but I, I do, I'm happy that he is, he's working on it. He's working on it. Like there's been many years, many, many years he wasn't working on it. So I feel like that 
to me is, is when I was like, okay, we can do this together as a family, as a support. And um, yeah, because that to me, that was key to me, that, that you're working on it. You're working on being vulnerable, sharing your story, um, admitting, you know, your faults. Yeah. And get better. Like that to me was, that's pivotal, right? Like that's what they say. Like that's the first step, right? Is, is admitting there's a problem. And so that's, that's why I was grateful. Like he's admitting I wasn't, you know, a great father. I wasn't, um, I wasn't there all the time. I wasn't present. You know, I had my own issues. So yeah, it's totally it. That's what's great. So two, so two questions. Um, to the to the to the to the wives to the moms that are listening to this right now who have uh, you know who are going through this um, or well, you know could be going through this at some point, what would you do differently now? Like looking back, number one, what would you do differently? That's the first question, and the second question is, what is the message that you would want to get to the moms and the wives that are listening right now? I think with the first question, I honestly wouldn't do anything differently. Yeah, I, I wouldn't. I, 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 I am a true believer. Love Everything it. does have a reason. I, I, like I had mentioned before, I just, I know I wouldn't be on this path if I didn't go through those things. If I didn't go through the pain. And of course you, you ask yourself like, why? Like, you know, I, I you know, I would have loved for Jaden to still be with us. And, um, but looking back, no, like everything was supposed to happen that way. I was supposed to, you know, learn from it, mourn him, and then at the same time, figure myself out, you know, because everything was about Lamar at that point, you know, and, and so it, all that was supposed to happen. He was supposed to get married. That honestly pushed me to move on, you know, so everything just happened for a reason. And, um, as far as what I would share with other women or other mothers uh, or daughters that are, that may be listening, uh, of, I definitely want to say you're, you're not alone. There are plenty of people. And, and I feel like our family, there's no different. Like a lot of families deal with this, especially right now. We have an opioid, huge problem in, in, this, in, in, the, United, in the States. And um, a lot of people across all nationalities, races, financial situations, None of that, you know, matters when it comes to addiction, when it comes to a problem. But I definitely want to say you're not alone. Even if you don't want to necessarily share your story 100%, sorry about that, you could um, join a community, podcast, listen to other people, because that's healing in a way. And then eventually, if you're ready, then maybe therapy, you know, if you could get, you could get that. I, I know it's not easy. Um, you know, it, it could be pricey. It adds up. So, um, but that's, that's what I would say. I would say, um, because it's a support system, just like how addicts have yes. support, the, the families need that too. So yes. I, I would definitely try your best to find a support system or listen to a certain podcast and you can get advice, you can call in, uh, write, you know, in the comment section or something. So I, that's kind of, I think my advice, um, that's what I was looking for. You know, when I was watching these documentaries or, or speaking to therapists, you just want to feel like you're not alone. So um, I, I think that's why I, I feel like this, our family going out there and saying, look, I, I know it seems, you know, I also feel like I always, and Lamar knows this too. He has a platform for a reason. So use it. You know, you have, 
God gave you another chance to live, I, without a doubt, for a reason. So use it. Share your story. Share your masks. Share with people. And say, I know my story is not necessarily unique, but I have a, a platform to, to try to talk about it. Let's, let's just try to break the stigma. Beautiful. What it looks like. All right. I love it. I love it. What an amazing interview. And really, I, yeah, I didn't know where we were going to go with all this, but we really got to what I wanted, which was, you know, a powerful message to the wives, to the moms, to the family members that are dealing with addicts and the journey that you took and, and really, you know, the, the emphasis on getting support, getting therapy, being able to talk to experts, doing your research, and then ultimately being able to get vocal about it is going to, is where the, where all the healing really comes into play, you know, um, so I'm going to try and move quickly because I really want to get these last questions and the the closing questions because this is, this is where the power is. Okay. Which is okay. I'm as a coach. I'm always, I, people come to me and it's always like, you know, I'll be happy when this happens. You know, once I achieve this, I'll be happy. Or I can't do this because. It's these stories that we tell ourselves, okay? It's mm-hmm. limiting beliefs. So what are the stories that you used to tell yourself, your biggest limiting beliefs, and what is it the story that you tell yourself today? Oh, that's a good one. Um, well... I guess I'll go back to I thought I'd be happy if I had a fam if I if I created this family for my kids, right? I thought that would fix Lamar's unhappiness and his voids of not having that family. Um, and it, I thought it could fill mine, right? Uh, with my my daddy issues that that ended up happening later on in my teens. Um, so I feel like that you know illusion of, of, of a united front, as you mentioned before. Um, as far as the happy, and then the other question was, what was the other question? No, the I, question? what is the, you know, what is the story? What is the biggest limiting belief? And then what yeah. is the story that you tell yourself today? Today, I think, I, I think, I mean, truly, I think we're all humans, all looking for that happiness, right? I think we're all looking for, um, you, you look on outside things and you say, oh, wow, that person looks so happy. That person on Instagram looks amazing. You know, they're traveling the world. Oh, my God, they're so happy. But I think um, I think for me, being content in not having all the answers, I'm still learning, you know. Wow. I'm still trying to learn about myself. I'm still trying to be the best mom, best daughter, best friend that I could be. Still working on that. Um, I think I'm still trying to figure that out. Honestly, as far as happiness, like what, like what is happiness? Like, uh, do you truly achieve happiness on this, on on in this earth? You know, or or do you go through what you go through, you, you try your best to uh, pay it forward, and then you find happiness in the next life? I, I, you know, you look forward to that. I, I really don't know. I'm. You know, maybe my brain is like fried, <laughs> but I, I really don't know um, that second part. That's probably the best. That is that's fantastic. That's fantastic because I'm 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 right in the middle of it. This is where I'm at. Like I thought I thought this was going to be it. I thought this is what I wanted. I thought this was going to fix me. I thought right. that this was once I got this, once I got my family, once I had my kids, everything was going to be perfect. I was going to be happy. I was going to be successful. 
And now I'm kind of like, what does that look like? And you did say something very important in there, though, too. It's now what I've gone through now and sharing my experience and and helping others. How is Mm -hmm. that going to is that going to bring me happiness? I hope so. Secret. Secret. Spoiler alert. Yes. To connect with people and and listen, I was an introvert for many many years. Uh-huh. So this is also a learning experience to be more outgoing and, and connect with people. Like so, this is yeah. It's I'm still I'm still a work in progress, you know. So that's definitely. Uh, I hope so. Okay, I really do. No, you're good. Yeah. <laughs> okay, good, perfect, perfect, perfect. Love it, love it. Okay, so. Um, one of the big one of the questions I, I ask is from Tony Robbins. Okay, he talks about you know to take the island you have to burn the boats. Okay, so there's this moment where you draw a line in the sand and you say that's it. I'm not going to tolerate this. Not one more day. Not one more hour. Not one more minute. What was that moment for you in your life? Um, and that could be anything. 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 You just walked away, Um, said, I'm not going to deal with this anymore. Well, I think in in a relationship, right? In in a relationship with a significant other, I would not tolerate, um, like, if if you're not ready for that commitment when I am, I'm not going to wait. I I think um, I I let a lot of years pass where I was kind of still waiting, you know, Um, still waiting that he he'll wake up the next morning and change his mind. So let's go to city halls, get married. Now we'll have the big wedding later. So I, you know, I, I think now I'm not putting up with that in a relationship. Like, I feel like if you're not ready, that's cool. Just be honest with me, you know, just be transparent with me. Like I'm not ready to settle down. I'm never going to settle down. I've been married twice. I'm never going to get married again. Something like that. Just be honest. But I think that's, if I had to go, that's kind of what I'm going with now. I think a relationship, I'm definitely not putting up with what I put up with in my teenage years and in my early 20s and mid-20s, like, I'm just not putting up with that anymore. <laughs> it's just, life is just too short. And, um, yeah, no way. No way. I Strong. Strong. I think that's super important for so many. People are holding on. They're holding on with this hope. Because they're afraid of, like, yeah, they're afraid yes. of what, being alone. You know, some people are afraid of being alone. Um so, and that's really not my case because I've been single for a really long time. So I think now I'm afraid of now connecting with somebody because mm. I've been alone for so long and I like being alone. I, I like not having to share, you know, that I could take up the whole bed, you know, so I feel like it's, so now I'm trying to, as I said, I'm a work in progress. Now I'm like, oh, but I think all of that trauma and stuff that we deal with definitely affects you in different areas. And then you kind of try to fix it and try to learn from it and move on to the next layer of your life. So tell us about an aha moment that you had in your life, uh-huh, when you realized you were now moving in the right direction. Um, hmm. I don't know. Um, <laughs> I'm sure you've had a lot, and it's like, you know, uh, you know the, a pivotal moment in your life where you, were, where you realized, you know, I'm, I'm making the right decision, I'm moving in the right direction, this this thing happened. I guess when I decided to stay in New York mm-hmm. uh, back in two thousand summer two thousand six, when I decided to stay, um, because I met so many new people, um, you know, other 
you know, mothers and just networking with people and, and connecting to this day. They're some of my best friends. Um, and if I wouldn't have decided to, if I would have went back to LA, who knows, I, you know, it just, I, I just wasn't ready. I, I had to stay in New York. So I, I think probably that was a pivotal moment for sure that I decided to stay and uh, stay in New York. Yeah. And not go back to LA. I will say of this interview, that is when I when you mention that and you talk about that, that's a decision. That was also a burning boat moment. Mm. That was you saying, okay, that I have two choices here. Okay, this is the one that's right for me. Yes. I made a choice that was right for Liza. Yes. And that was what turned it all around for you now looking back it's like that was the best decision that i made because you started going to therapy you started to connect with other people you started to heal so that was for you and here's the thing here's what women need to hear that are going through what you're going through if you're in a situation where you've got to choose between following your man and following your mental health and your well-being and your children's well-being Okay, here's another example of where Liza chose Liza and the kids. And let's not let, I hope that death, like or losing somebody uh, or tragedy, let's, I hope that for the next woman out there, I'm hoping that it doesn't take that, you know. For me, it took that. It took the death of our son um, and, and, and just saying, wait, I really need my support system. I really need to stay here in New York. I cannot go back to LA and not have that support system. So it took that for me, but God, you know, that, that was God's plan for me, you know? So I can't, but that's, I hope for the next woman that doesn't take that tragedy. Sometimes it does. Some type of tragedy happens. And, but I'm hoping whatever the little sign, maybe God was telling me that I just wasn't getting it. So I had to experience something. So, uh, who knows? Um, but yeah, I hope for the next woman, for sure. If it takes your mental health versus being, because you don't want to be alone or your partner or, I, I get it. Like I said, I wanted a family too. But what with the mental health? That's, you know, we need our, our, we need our mental health. If we collapse, our children collapse, you know, our, their lives collapse if we collapse. So um, we need to take care of that first. Absolutely. Okay, so I've got two more questions for you, but before we do, is there any is there anything you want to promote or anything upcoming that you want to share with the listeners? Check this out or check out my website. You know, is there or is everything in the works? Everything's pretty much in the works. Okay. Um, I yeah, I'm working. Well, we are working with my shop as mm-hmm. mentioned before. We are going to be taking our story to the stage, sharing it with people love for people to come out and listen and then we can talk to people afterwards. Um, yeah, I, I think that's something that our family is really looking forward to because I think we have a lot of healing to do uh, with Lamar, right? Like we're working on ourselves individually, but I think together there's stuff we still haven't even really talked about. Uh, Lamar and I really never really even talked about losing our son. Uh, we kind of, you know, never really sat down and had a serious conversation about that. So I feel like, it will heal us and we'll be able to go out there and share with other people. And I would love for that to help other people. Maybe they'll see some of our stories and their stories and we can connect. Um, so I think that's something we're looking forward to. With and then, um, yeah, more to come, you know, I, I don't know. I'm going to continue to do my real estate. Um, and 
you know, help my kids with whatever journey they want to do, whatever path they want to take in life. Um, but I definitely feel like Lamar's platform and then him helping to help my platform, because I think he realizes that I play such a pivotal role in his life. Absolutely. But I think, yeah, I think if we could share that together and go out there and also talk to parents about co-parenting, you know, since we both came from home. Yes. Sit and get along, you know? So, yeah, I think that's something that we're definitely looking forward to. And, um, yeah. It's, uh, it, it's all... It's all about the children. It's all about the children. And when you, you know, my ex-wife and I are best friends, right? We co-parent, right? Like, I, I, I love her, and I wish her nothing but the best. And yes. my daughter and I have never seen us fight, ever. Wow. We made a decision, so like, it, 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 the recovery journey is what made the difference, right? Once I, once I dove deep into recovery, I separated myself from my needs and I want, and it's all about me crap, Right, and it was, and, and the focus was on my daughter. It's like, okay, so how are we going to do this? How are we going to do this separately and together? Yes, and it's exactly. made all the yeah. And so you know, my my wife and I have a great relationship with my daughter and my ex wife and her family, and we're all still one big happy family. No one would ever know when you Beautiful. when you do this when you decide. Listen, we're. Now that all the dust is settled, right. how, do, how do we raise our children in a, in a way that empowers them, that teaches them about unconditional love, that teaches them about adversity and overcoming and, you know, having a relationship even when you're not married, right? How do you co-parent effectively? Because they might go through it at some point and they use you as an example. Yes, Right. I, I agree. Like the breaking that generational, in our case, of generational curses, you know, that's how we kind of, Lamar and I see it as kind of, let's try to make this right. Because for us, we didn't have necessarily the most healthy examples. Um, so. Oh, for sure. For sure. Okay. So two more questions, two more questions. Okay. So what is the best suggestion or advice you have ever received? I think, uh, this was going back to maybe five or six years ago. Um, the kid's doctor actually told us, um, you know, she was kind of trying to get break through the dysfunction of the situation with their father. And um, she said, you know, look at it this way. When you guys are getting on your plane and the, the flight attendants are showing you the video in the beginning that we're all supposed to be paying attention to. And they're telling you if you're flying with children, um, put on their, uh, put on your oxygen mask before you put on children. And she said, the thing with your father is he has to put on his own oxygen mask before he could help you guys with your oxygen mask. And so to me that when she shared that with us, I felt like I carry that with me. Like this is, this is like I said, five or six years ago, but I think it's so pivotal to, and it helped our kids kind of see it differently. Like, okay, our father still has so much issues and baggage. How could he help us with our journey? He still hasn't figured out his own situation yet. So I think that I love sharing that with other people because you, you kind of look at it from a different angle and different perspective. So I think that's probably the best, one of the best uh, pieces of kind of knowledge or advice. I use that one all the time. It's one of the things that we, that's, it's one of the things that, constantly get shared especially in 12-step rooms you have to put your oxygen mask on first 
Yes. Right? Or, or you will drown. You know, you need your own foundation. Love it. Love it. Okay. And what is one parting piece of wisdom you would like to leave with our listeners? I would say whatever it is, because um, I have to remind myself of this sometimes. So I think that's why I'll, I'll share it with other people. Um, do one thing for yourself mm. uh, every day, you know, even if it's running into the bathroom. My bathroom is like my sanctuary. My, so funny my daughter always tells me that when she goes into my bathroom that it's um it's like it's so peaceful in there well it's peaceful in there because i pray in there i you know meditate in there um so i think that's why it's so peaceful it's like my prayer bathroom <laughs> so i think she always says, oh, it has a certain energy in there so i think take that moment for yourself either it's 10 minutes and lock yourself in the bathroom to breathe and to um you know, I have meditating apps on my phone. Even if it's to go in there, don't distract yourself with other things on the phone. Just use the meditation app for five. You could set them up, timers. Sometimes it's four minutes. Something good for yourself uh, just to kind of rejuvenate yourself. I Because I am still, you know, working on that, reminding myself, like, take 10 minutes today. Or don't grab your phone first thing in the morning to look on what's going right. on in the world. Uh, that's so unhealthy. And I have to check myself with that sometimes. But I feel like um, just 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 take five to ten minutes for yourself. If more, if you could take more, fantastic. That's amazing. But but at least if you could devote that to yourself, I think you're adding more to your life in more ways than one. Yeah. Which time? Which uh, uh, meditation app do you use? Oh my god, I have so many. I, well, the one that's coming to my mind, I have Preksha. Uh, I'm probably saying it wrong. Uh, meditation. It's like the, the the chanting and the bells. I can't be in total silence. My I hear brain, you. I, I hear you. Yeah, yeah. I know some people. God bless them. They can meditate in total silence and shut down the world. I, my brain, I'll start thinking too much, overthinking. So, um, I, I like the meditation sounds, the rainforest. Yeah. I know you're in Costa Rica. My kids and I went to Costa Rica a few years back, and we had such an amazing time. It's the best. It's the best. <laughs> the rain, the, you know, the animals in the in the jungle. Like, oh, that, that I can meditate to that sound, honestly. Um, and I do meditate to that sound, honestly, the, the birds chirping, all that stuff. So yeah, that's basically what I would say. Beautiful. Beautiful. Liza, this was an amazing, amazing interview. Thank you so much. Thank you for having me. I had a good time. It was really good to talk. You know? <laughs> so thank you so much. I really appreciate you having me. I appreciate all your vulnerability. Really, thank you so much, and I look forward to meeting you. Hopefully, uh, you know yeah. I've got the, I've got things going on with with Rosh and Ellie too. We've got a retreat okay. that we're working on here in Costa Rica. So you know he he told me about um, you know what he had going on with you and Lamar, and I was like, oh my god, how exciting! Yeah, I know. <laughs> We're talking to Lamar. We'll probably talk about it this week. Okay, we are going to Miami, and so I think. Uh, yeah, we'll probably talk about that. It'll be amazing to meet in person. And then Lamar, I would love it. I would love it. Thank you again for having me. I really appreciate it. All right. Folks, we've now reached the end of our show. Thanks for joining us. And as we say here in Costa Rica, Pura Vida. Pura Vida. Thank you. Thank you for joining us today on the Recovery Revolution Podcast. For more information about the podcast, to access the show notes, join us in the Recovery Revolution, 
or to learn about one-on-one coaching with me, then go to www.omarpinto.com. Make sure to check out the website or schedule a free consultation with me today. It's time to join the recovery revolution.